You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi everyone, Sandman here. This is the second part of my God Among MGTOW series. Now I know what you're thinking. Why in the hell would I pick Ayn Rand? After all, she's a woman, and would it make more sense to talk about a great man like Isaac Newton or some other great male thinker? By the way, part three will be about Isaac Newton, but I thought it would be more interesting and challenging for me to show that there are some great women out there that can think and write great literature like Atlas Shrugged and The Fountain Pen. And Ayn Rand also gets deep into the male psyche, so I thought that was really important. I also think it's important to figure out what makes these types of women different from others. I'm not going to discuss her relationship with her husband or any of the other romantic involvements she may have had in her life in great detail. She whipped her husband into a shadow of a man, and I have no idea why he put up with it. After all, he wasn't the great ideal man that she believed in. But that's a story for another day. Ayn Rand was born Alyssa Rosenbaum in 1905 in St. Petersburg, Russia. Her father was well-off and owned a pharmacy and a building in the center of the city. She enjoyed a very, very comfortable life until the October Revolution and when the Bolsheviks came in and took over Russia and started the Soviet Union. She was a teenager when this happened and watched as the revolution happened from outside her balcony. After the revolution, her father and family were stripped of their wealth and property rights, and the state took the assets that they had once enjoyed. Her family became ordinary, and she learned from that age that the state was the destroyer of self-made men and wealth. Her father was her provider, and she watched helplessly as the state took his wealth, the same wealth that he spent on his family. In her eyes, her father was a better provider than the Soviet state because he provided her with more luxuries and status items than the Bolsheviks. So to her, the Soviet state was a bad male provider, one that was far inferior to her father. And I believe that Rand blamed the state for destroying her father, and she subsequently developed a complex at a very young age to defend her father from the state. And then this way of thinking translated yet into another complex where she believed that she had to defend the entire male gender from the state. She saw herself as the protector of men. And so, she was one of the few privileged women that actually saw male figures in her life as the providers, and the state, instead, as the looter. The closest male relationship that most women experience is the one with their fathers. If a father isn't present early in the life of a woman, then she often sees the government as a substitute, especially if that government provides her family with baby bonuses, welfare checks, and food stamps. Women raised by single mothers are taught that men are not to be trusted, and the state is their real daddy. But in Rand's case, the opposite is true. Most women could not refuse the seemingly free gifts the government provided them under communism. Communism began to collapse once women lined up outside government grocery stores for hours on end just to get a loaf of bread, if they were lucky enough to get one at all. 
Communism is great for women in the beginning, because there is plenty of wealth to loot as a communist state is set up. But once Soviet men learned that there was no point to working hard only to lose what little property and savings they had over and over again due to currency and political instability, the system crashed because men got sick and tired of working for nothing, and the women got tired of having a state that wasn't actually providing for them. The suicide and drinking rates in Russia are a testament to Russia's communist past. Coincidentally, Ayn Rand created a philosophical system called objectivism. With regards to objectivism, I want to talk about the ethics of her philosophy. She wrote about the virtues of selfishness. And isn't that what the MGTOW is all about? Aren't we looking out for our own selfish desires? According to Rand, it's a man's free will to think or not to think. And most men take the blue pill and refuse to think for themselves. They let the state and women do the thinking for them. Ayn Rand is quoted as saying that man has the power to act as his own destroyer and that that is the way he has acted throughout most of his history. In the modern age, men are choosing to act by getting married and thus destroying themselves in the process. She also says that for men to remain alive, they are all forced to think. Women, on the other hand, are capable of getting through life fine by not thinking about the basics of survival. All they have to do is find a man capable of doing it for them, or the state. And that's the problem. Once men stop thinking, everything falls apart. The state grows larger and larger as men refuse to think for themselves or are unwilling or incapable of taking care of women's needs. Just to be clear, I said that last bit about women finding a man to do their bidding and not Rand. But I'm sure that she would agree with me. Rand also believed that altruism, as set out by August Comte, is detrimental to man. She said that altruism is a moral obligation to live for the sake of others. And most men today live to serve their women and children. MGTOW men, on the other hand, choose to reject living an altruistic way and are instead living for themselves. We are virtuous for being selfish. We see that we have a greater surplus of wealth if we are not providing it for women and children. And we can also work less and be as productive as we choose to be. Rand would probably say that choosing to work less and use our minds less is hedonistic, but in reality we have free will and can choose to do whatever we wish. The greatest parallel I find between Ayn Rand's work and MGTOW Man is the idea of going galt. For those of you that haven't read Atlas Shrugged, it's about a great industrialist or set of industrialists and powerful men going on strike by leaving society and choosing to no longer be productive members. Rand could clearly see that men were ready to go on strike almost 60 years ago, during the 1950s, when the United States was at its most powerful and prosperous. She could see the dangers of a large state interfering with free enterprise and commerce. The most important thing she has to teach us is that going galt or striking out against an unjust society by refusing to cohabitate with married women is not only the right thing to do with regards to logic and reason, but also because it is the most virtuous thing we can do for ourselves. I choose to think instead of falling into relationships where my rational mind is hijacked by women for their own selfish desires. And by Rand's same logic, women are being virtuous and selfish by trying to snag a man. The only difference being 
that women are using deceptive tactics and cunning instead of rational intelligence to capture their own personal manslaves. According to Rand, the most important occupation in society is the scientist. Men are loners, and scientists are extreme loners. They represent the greatest in terms of social usefulness and utility. According to her, the inventors and scientists are the heroes. But she goes on to say that society is unjust and destroys them. When I first read Atlas Shrugged, I always thought that John Galt was modeled after Nikola Tesla. The parallels are remarkable. Both John Galt and Nikola Tesla were inventors, and both of them built an engine that the world saw as a perpetual motion machine, something the world said couldn't be done in both cases. And all, both of them also left New York City and headed to Colorado to escape society and continue their own research and work. Tesla, of course, came back to New York City. Tesla also believed in pulling free energy from the ether or the atmosphere, and John Galt finds a way to pull electrostatic energy out of the atmosphere in Atlas Shrugged. I often wonder if Ayn Rand and Nikola Tesla met in New York City back in the 1930s or back in the 1940s. Maybe they did meet over a cup of coffee, and maybe that's where the idea for Atlas Shrugged was born. One of the great ironies of Rand... One of the greatest ironies of Rand's life was that she looked up to great men, yet her husband was a very uncomplicated and simple man. He wasn't a particularly useful provider, and he was not even her own intellectual equal. As for the name John Galt, this summer I discovered a city founded by a real man named John Galt, and this city is now amalgamated into the city of Cambridge, Ontario. The real John Galt founded three cities in Ontario, and they're Galt, Goderich, and Guelph. Anyways, enough of my ranting. I'm adding a couple of links to a very famous Ayn Rand and Mike Wallace interview from 1959. Notice how she uses the terms men or man, and she doesn't use the word women? Anyways, becoming a MGTOW forced me to see Ayn Rand in a new light, and it has become most welcome. Thanks for watching the video, and enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers.